Okay. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, if you want to turn there. I'm going to go and read our passage and then uh, pray for our time together. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to look at your word and just the challenge that it is to our hearts and the challenge it is to us as a body of believers. And uh, God, we pray that as we reflect on this passage, that you would just encourage our hearts to press into you and to receive that which you've purchased for us in your son, Jesus Christ, and, uh, and pour it out onto one another. God, we're so thankful for this time you've given us and thankful for a time to uh, worship you and lift your name up and, and be here together this morning. And pray you'd honor, uh, that you'd be honored in our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> okay, sometimes I have an illustration that ties in well. Uh, this one's just kind of funny, so <laughs> I just had to share, because as a, yeah, I don't know, sorry. Types of lettuce. Um, you might have heard in the passage a few lettuces, and we're going to talk about the lettuce in this passage today, but before we jump into that, I'd see if anybody knew some things about lettuce. I've read about about 15 types of lettuce, which I didn't know there were 15 types, but can anyone name a type of lettuce? Romaine, yes. What's that? Iceberg, Iceberg. yes. Was it? Bib. Bib, yeah, impressive. I, I, I didn't think that you were going to get that one. All right, very good. Good, good work. Any other lettuces? Yeah, so you let me down. Oh, arugula. Arugula is one. Let's see. I think you guys named all the ones that I got pictures of. So you, you know what arugula is because you said it. This is arugula, right? There we go. Can anyone tell me which one this is? This is easy. Iceberg, all right. And this was the first one mentioned. Romaine. Killed it. You guys nailed it. Yeah, apparently there's lots of types of lettuce. I didn't know that. Um, but there's lots of lettuce in this passage, too. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at that today. Uh, this is the full, full passage. I'm going to break it down a little bit for us. So sorry, it's tiny there. We don't need to worry about uh, seeing that. Um, but that's just, just what I just read. Um, Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And you're probably like, why are we in Hebrews 10? We've been in Deuteronomy for a long time. Uh, and so we were, we're talking today about membership 
and about, uh, about our church and vision for our church after service here today. So we're jumping off into Hebrews 10 because of this final passage, right, that says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I like this passage. I haven't used this passage for this purpose before, but I like this passage a lot, especially in the context of going through the law. And you'll kind of see why as we work through this. You know, in Deuteronomy, we've, we've been reminded of how holy God is and how he's set up this structure in the Old Testament for the people of Israel to approach him and to understand his holiness, understand their brokenness, understand their need of a savior and to demonstrate that to them. And here in Hebrews 10, we see um, just the comparison of what Christ has bought for us in comparison to uh, the operating under the old covenant. And so in chapter 10, uh, just before this, I should have got more. Should have had more of this text in my notes, but I didn't. So just before this passage, uh, we have this reflection on Christ as the final sacrifice, as the once and for all sacrifice. And I wanted to touch on a couple of those pieces, but um, I gotta, gotta have them to do so. Hebrews. I'm in James. Sorry. So again, the passage starts out with this, therefore, brothers, since we've, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And, and so obviously, when you ever have a passage that says, therefore, you've got to see what it's there for. And in, in the very first portion of Hebrews 10, what we see is this discussion of the law as a shadow of true realities. Chapter 10 says, for, one, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. And so it has this discussion about Jesus replacing this old sacrificial system, this old legal system that we've been studying with his once and for all sacrifice. Uh, Jesus it records in chapter 10, verse 8, that when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, that by, by that we, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Um, and so in Jesus, we see this, this shift from uh, needing to offer these sacrifices to enter the presence of God to simply being in the presence of God all the time because of what Christ has done for us. So we come to 19, 20, and 21. We have now confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. We talked about it some on Thursday, but just like if you had been living under for a thousand years plus this paradigm that entering the presence of Jesus or entering the presence of God, right, was achieved by the high priest once a year and only by the high priest. 
in the temple through a, a variety of sacrifices, uh, this, this huge process that we've been looking at. And, and here we're saying, now we have confidence to enter the holy places. Who? Not just the high priest, all of us. When you take stock of all that we've been uh, reading through in Deuteronomy and just how much God is showing how holy he is and how broken we are, to have a statement like this that we can go confidently to the holy place of God and be in his presence is astounding. The truths that we'll look at about, about who we are as a body of Christ are built on this, are built on the fact that Christ has paid the once and for all sacrifice. And by that sacrifice, we now have direct access to our God and Father. We can go straight to the throne of God, just like Hebrews 4.16 says, we can go confidently before the throne of God asking for his help in our time of need. We don't go weeping or discouraged or feeling guilty of ourselves. We go boldly to the throne and say, God, I've messed up and I need your help. Or God, I don't know what to do with this circumstance and I need your help. We can go boldly to him, not by our strength, but by the work of Christ on the cross. Because of Jesus' final sacrifice, we can have confidence to enter the holy place by his blood. By his blood, by the new and living way he's opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. He's just emphatically stating that because of what Christ did on the cross, because of the tearing of his flesh, we now go boldly to the throne of God. It can be very easy to miss how significant that is. But at any point in your day, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter. God is there for you. And by the blood of Jesus, he can comfort you in every circumstance. You have straight and direct access to the throne of God. We can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Second, foundationally, we have a great high priest. We don't have an imperfect high priest we don't have an imperfect priest that's just a man. We have a, have a priest who's been tempted as a man, yet has remained perfect. A perfect mediator between us and God. So often we think, okay, I've, I've come to the Lord, I've placed my faith in Him, and then somehow I'm still struggling with this sin thing. And as a new believer, you might think, oh, this, this sin and this, these doubts and these problems that I've been walking in are just going to be gone when I become a Christian, Life is going to be easy because Jesus paid it all by his blood, and so it's done, right? It's just going to be a thing to walk in. Nope. If you've been a Christian very long, you know this is a process that you've been welcomed into, a process of changing your heart and making it more like the Son, Jesus. And God doesn't leave us alone. Instead, he provides himself as a perfect mediator between us and God. We have a great high priest. 
not one that has fallen like us, but one that perfectly comforts us in every time of our need. When we mess up and feel guilty, he's there and has covered us, not yesterday only, but yesterday, today, and forever. He has covered our sin. He is a perfect mediator. So we can enter holy places, and we, can, and we have this great high priest. These things are, um, man, they're just shocking. If, if you had any kind of reflection on your own life, right, and understanding of how broken we are, you know that what God has given us in Christ Jesus is a beautiful thing. And you know it more and more every single day. And so based on these truths, based on the fact that God has taken us out of an old covenant where we're trying to earn it on our own and trying to understand it on our own, and we've got this, this difficult uh, road of access to God, instead it's been given to us in Christ Jesus, then these things should happen. Lettuce. Lots and lots of lettuce. First, if we have direct access to the throne of God and we have a great high priest who is working on our behalf every single day perfectly, then let us do this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. The writer's reminding us If God has purchased you in a once-for-all sacrifice, and if he stands eternally mediating for you perfectly, then you have no reason yet to run to the feet of your Father in heaven and cry out to him in your time of need. Draw near to God, because he has drawn near to you. And this should be the nature of your drawing near. First, in full assurance of faith. Full faith. Always. It never moves from a faith journey. Okay? A lot of times on this walk, it doesn't make logical sense to us. But God is calling us to a faith journey, a full assurance of faith. We're drawing near to God, not by our own intuition or knowledge or wisdom, but rather by faith every single time. In full assurance of faith, draw near to God. Your spirit placing faith in God. Second, with a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, we should draw near to God. It can be easy uh, to reflect on ourselves and see the brokenness within us, either emotionally or verbally or whatever is going on with us. Like we can see our brokenness inside. And sometimes we can hide that from other people. Like we can hide our anxiousness. We can hide our uh, bad thoughts. We can hide all those things inside of us. But we know it's there. Maybe things we've done that we're holding on to and like we haven't forgiven ourselves for yet, it's still there. And God says, no, let us draw near because your hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. You have a great and perfect mediator in heaven who has paid for your sin, past, present, future. 
He has sprinkled your heart clean with his blood. So draw near. Finally, with bodies washed with pure water. Just as Christ set aside his body, you're setting aside yourself to the Lord. Draw near to God in spirit and soul and flesh. Jesus has given his life as a once-for-all sacrifice. He stands as a perfect mediator for you in heaven. Give him everything you've got. Draw near to God on this basis. Second, let us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You've seen it in your life probably already as you followed Jesus. And we've seen it over and over again as we looked at the Old Testament and the Old Testament people of Israel. Like, is God faithful? He is faithful. And we are not. Over and over and over again, we are not. And so I love, you know, singing, I believe this morning and reminding ourselves of some fundamental truths that we believe in. We're not believing them based on our strength. We're not believing them um, based on what we're going to get out of it. We're believing because the one who has promised us eternal life in Christ is faithful. He is faithful in every circumstance, in every situation. He is faithful. He feels everything we're going through more than we do every time, and he is faithful. So let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering because the one who has promised us this hope is the one who is faithful. Right, again, in reflection of how we receive this faithful one, Christ died for us. He is faithful. Finally, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I love talking through this on Thursday at Bible study because I hadn't really thought about this before, but we were like thinking about, okay, what does that look like? Uh, some of these things seem um, like very practical application. Okay, I'm going to uh, draw near to the Lord. That's an important thing to do. I need to spend time with the Lord. I need to hold fast the confession. I need to actually believe the thing that I say I'm believing. Um, and so that's like pretty straightforward in his instruction. Um, not that it's easy to do, but it's at least straightforward. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue uh, to draw near to God. I'm going to continue to place my faith in the Lord. So I'm going to strive to do that, and that's going to continue to happen. Here it says, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. He actually leaves it you know, uh, with some room to be defined. There's innumerable ways, right, that we can stir up one another to love and good works. He's not saying there's just one way. There's lots of ways that we can stir each other up to love and good works. And each way is different, right? Like we are a unique body of Christ with a unique bunch of people in here. 
Um, and so we know each other because we spent so much time together. And how I'm going to stir you up is different than how you're going to stir me up and, and so on and so forth. And so he's let us consider. Let me consider what I know about Connor and think about how I ought to encourage Connor based on who Connor is. Right? It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. God has a beautiful array of children from a diverse background and diverse personalities. And so our consideration of, of how we are to stir one another up is different. So I love this word, consider. Think about it. Don't just find some formula and apply it. Think about how it fits to the body of Christ. Consider it. He gives us two things that should be present in order to do that. And they're actually obvious when you think about you have to consider how to do it. First is, you should meet together. (laughs) Right? Um, I was listening to, uh, I've told some people about this in various conversations. We were listening to a debate, or not really a debate, a conversation over uh, race with Tim Keller the the other day. And he was talking about how difficult it is to discuss race in a Zoom call. Because over the past year, our country has gone through lots of different conversations and things, and a lot of these conversations that are very important have been done over a Zoom call, or not in person. He says it's almost unwise for us to even try to accomplish that in different rooms. We have to be sitting at a table with someone to know someone and to feel their presence, and to understand the struggles that we are going through, and have the amount of grace that we can pour out on one another. In order to know each other, we have to see each other. We have to be with each other. And so he says, if you're going to know how to stir up one another to love and good works, do not neglect meeting together. So he says, meet together and also encourage one another even more as you see the day drawing near. As you look around at discouraging things happening in the world, as you look around, whether macro or micro, whether in your life or in the world as a whole, as you look around at these things that we're all walking through, difficult situations, all the more encourage Our response oftentimes when we come up against a challenge is to isolate, especially in like individualist culture of America. We like to just, I'm going to isolate, I'm going to figure this out on my own, and then I'm going to go back to my community with a happy face. See, I've dealt with it, and I'm good. It's not what he's telling us to do. He actually challenges us the other direction. Let's stir each other up to love and good works. Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing, more, drawing near. As you see difficult things, as you walk through difficult things, don't run from this community. Run to this community. This passage is for the church Because it says, let us, let us, let us, let us, let 
us. Not let me, right? Not let you, us. We corporately draw near. We corporately hold fast the confession. We corporately meet together regularly, stirring each other up. It is very easy in church world, not really in our church world, thankfully. (laughs) In church world, often it is easy to just go in and out and never be seen. I'm sure you've had that experience in the past. You may have seen that experience in the past where you can come into a church and, and just walk on out and never be known. Chris and I were talking about that on Thursday. He was like, this is different. You, you can't do that here. <laughs> it's not possible. Sandy can testify to it too. Her first Sunday was great. <laughs> can't hide. I don't think she'll mind, but she has told this story to our church before. She went looking for a church where she could hide. She found us. Isn't God funny? There were less of us. <laughs> Five, four. Yeah, four. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, let us consider these things. God is challenging us as a church based on the direct access we have to the Father through Jesus Christ, based on the perfect mediation of the Son in all time, Let us not forsake to draw near to God, to hold fast the confession, and to stir each other up toward what God has called us each to do. He's got a unique calling on this body of believers. And we need to seek it out. We can only do so together and at his throne. So we're going to go with a few things um, just to reflect on here, and uh, first is this: the church, the body of Christ, ought not be a place where you just receive. Rather, it should be an intentional community of believers who are doing life together, saturated by Scripture, and encouraging one another continually. The sense of the words in those last couple verses, meet together, encourage each other, is not like, do that once. (laughs) The sense, the actual tense of it is, continually do these things. Church ought to be an intentional community of believers, doing life together, saturated by scripture, encouraging one another continually. Second, Our regular interaction with each other will result in a love like Christ's for our community and a pouring out of ourselves to the community God has called us to. Based on what Jesus did for us, he poured out his life that we could have direct access to our Father in heaven, go straight to his throne, be a mediator for us. Based on that, as we draw near to him, what we do is going to look like him. Our interaction with each other is going to look like Christ's interaction with us. It can't help but be that way. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, then I'm going to look like Jesus. 
And what does Jesus look like? He looks like someone who had the throne of heaven to himself and came down to this place, saying it kindly, (laughs) and gave himself on a cross for us. And so what it's going to look like for me to be a disciple of Christ is look at what all God has given me. Now, how do I give that? Our love for each other is going to be like Christ's, and our love for our community is going to be like Christ. It's going to be a giving up of things that I desire for the things that God desires. God has a purpose for our lives. He has a purpose for everything he brings into our lives or allows to come into our lives. He has a purpose in it. He desires that whatever comes our way might conform us to the life of his son who gave his life that we might live. Everything we walk through Everything he brings into our lives or allows into our lives is not done just randomly. It's not allowed to just pass by without purpose. God is intentional in, in the chaos, in, uh, in even the, uh, what has been planned and planned well. He's intentional in all these things that he allows in our lives that it might conform us to his son. Jesus gave his life for you and he's got a purpose for you and it's going to look a lot like his. And so in the body of believers, our love for each other ought to look a lot like his. Ought to look like us looking around and saying, how can I stir you up to love and good works? might take me letting go of something in myself that you might be built up, that you might be strengthened. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single sacrifice, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." The Holy Spirit bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, in those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great 
priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for what Christ has done for us. We're undeserving. We're unworthy. God, we're unworthy when we received the first time. We're unworthy today, and we're going to be unworthy in the future. But God, we're thankful for a great mediator who has paid past, present, future. God, you've paid for our sin, and it's done. There's no more penance I need to pay to be in your presence. Even every time I mess up, I can go straight to you, Father, with confidence knowing that you have paid for what I've done. God, let us not lose hope. Let us hold our confession. Let us not run in isolation. Let us draw near to you. in full faith, without an evil conscience because you've washed it with your very blood. Let us walk in purity washed with your water. God, because of what you've done for us, let us lay down our lives for one another that the world may see your nature on display in this community. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.